0: gonna be just like senior year except for funner
1: hey guys i'm kendra hi i'm Mercedes, and this week we're talking about a movie all about the summer after high school say anything One of my favorite movies of all time. But before we get
0: into it, Mercedes, we have to kick it off with our celebrity crush of the week. Who are you crushing on this week?
1: Zayn Malik. My One Direction heart almost burst this weekend because he posted a seven second clip of him singing his solo in the One Direction song, You and I. And I immediately bought his merch, you know, like that's the type of girl I am. I'll love him forever. He is still just one of my favorite, most beautiful humans on, on the planet.
0: You're going to have to send me that clip. Is he still with Gigi or Bella? Which one was it?
1: Gigi. Um, I don't think so.
0: No. Oh, really? They, they do
1: have that baby. <laughs> oh,
0: so they're always going to be connected. As
1: yeah. Well. I see. I see.
0: Okay. So <laughs> I had a friend come and stay with me this week who was really into F1. And I know nothing about F1 or F1 yes. drivers. But let me tell you, Lewis Hamilton, if he <laughs> ever, ever decided to slide to my DMs, accepted immediately.
1: (laughs) That man. That man. That man. The Netflix show has changed it for so many people. All these girls I know now are like, I love F1. (laughs) Yeah. I
0: know I know me too. Me too. I have all these friends. Or like, yeah. Oh my god! I wake up. I wake up at like four a.m. to watch F1. I was like, yeah. What does the F and F1 stand for? Tell me that.
1: Like, what? <laughs> I will never be able to tell you.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! No. And the thing is, too, I actually didn't know that he was an F1 driver until very recently. Because oh I gosh. knew him from when he dated the lead singer of the Pussycat Dolls, but I just oh, thought he yeah, was like, yeah. I just thought he was like a NASCAR, like the UK's version mm-hmm. of NASCAR. <laughs> that's embarrassing. Anyways, that's that's my celebrity crush of the week. <laughs> all right guys we're gonna move over to tldr we like to summarize the movie for anyone who has not seen it warning there are spoilers ahead if you have not seen say anything my heart literally just burst into but also you can stream it on hbo max Take it away, Mercedes.
1: Yes. So Lloyd Dobler, played by John Cusack, is graduating from high school when he falls for the valedictorian Diane Court, played by Ione Skye. She is set to start a fellowship in the UK in the fall, and their social groups couldn't be more different. Her best friend is her dad, Jim, played by John Mahoney, and his best friends are two angsty musical girls. He asks her out anyway, and much to everyone's surprise, she says yes. They go to a graduation party together and spend the night keeping a distant eye on each other. And Diane gets to be social and learn more about how beloved Lloyd is by his friends and classmates. Their next day is at Diane's house with her dad, and he is left unimpressed by Lloyd's quirky personality and enthusiasm for kickboxing. But the night really takes a turn when the IRS informed Jim that he's under investigation. Lloyd and Diane begin spending even more time together. She feels really conflicted between her father's stress and her growing love for Lloyd, but her dad convinces her to end it with him because of their differing future plans. She ends everything with Lloyd by giving him a pen, and he's left heartbroken. Jim's IRS investigation is becoming more intense while Lloyd tries to do anything he can to get Diane back, even holding a boombox while playing Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes under (laughs) her bedroom window. When Diane discovers all her dad's hidden cash, she realizes he's guilty and reunites with Lloyd. At the end of summer, Jim is in jail for nine months and Lloyd informs him that he's going with Diane to the UK and Diane says her goodbyes by giving her dad the same pen she gave Lloyd. Then the two fly to the UK in love. Ugh,
0: let me just wipe away my tears. <laughs> oh,
1: I got it. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear all your feels about this movie. Oh, oh I have a, I have a lot of
0: mysteries. But first of all, <laughs> this is a 1989 movie written and directed by Cameron Crowe, who also directed one of my all-time favorite like top 5 favorite movies, Almost Famous. He also directed Jerry Maguire and Vanilla Sky. Oh, and the thing that it. is so that's so good, right? The thing that's so interesting about Cameron Crowe is he's made some of the greatest movies of all time. And also some of the worst. Like, you know, people also know that he he directed Aloha and Elizabethtown. And I feel like those two were just total flops for
1: him. but Heavily he criticized. Just, <laughs> yeah, heavily
0: criticized. Exactly. But he definitely holds a place in my book for like top movie. Okay, so the listeners need to know this. I have that image of Lloyd Dobler holding the boombox over his head tattooed on my arm. And I've had it for yeah. two years. And it's my favorite tattoo. It's so well done. And I look at it every single day and just fall a little bit more in love with Lloyd. So mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> true fan right here,
0: <laughs> true fan, literally put it on that place in my body so I could look at it every single day and just remember mm. that's the kind of man I need. That's where the bar is at. If you are not standing outside my bedroom window with the boombox, it's not going to work. <laughs> Tell me some of your favorite facts about this movie, though, for sentence.
1: So uh, interesting enough, this was Crow's first time directing, and he was such a novice that he didn't even know that he had to shoot close ups and wide shots. He thought just wide shots would do. And then you could edit everything <laughs> later. And the studio <laughs> still gave him a $16 million budget. That is, Can you believe? So that, I, I do believe it. I mean, away. I do believe. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> a white dude director. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> They'll get anything that they want. Shocking, exactly. Well, what's funny about Cameron Crowe is the character of Lloyd Dobler is actually based on a neighbor that Cameron Crowe had. And his name was mm-hmm. Lowell. So he was really into cake box. They used to say that it was a sport of the future, which is why Lloyd also says that too. And how funny it's so
1: funny. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And the beloved boombox scene was actually the last scene filmed on the last day of shooting. And John Cusack didn't even want to do it because he thought it made Lloyd look too passive, too submissive. But he used his defiance in the scene. Like you could see it on his face. It's not even like a moment of longing. It's more of this symbol of like not giving up. Like he's there.
0: Yeah, he's like, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. Exactly. But it's really funny too, because I feel like the iconic song In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel that's playing, that was actually added in post-production. There was a yeah. whole other song that was playing at the time. And also too, the scene was filmed at two different times. So John Cusack was standing in the middle of a parking lot in North Hollywood across from a 7-Eleven holding this boob box while Ione Sky is doing her It was like on two separate days in two separate places. Isn't that so funny?
1: That's hilarious. Oh, movie yeah. magic.
0: Movie magic, too. And then the last thing. So, Lloyd's sister in the movie is actually his real life sister, Joan Cusack. So, that was really cool that they got to play siblings in the movie as
1: well. Those two, <laughs> every time you see one, you'll see the other. Yeah. <laughs> They're always getting a check together.
0: <laughs> I know. Bring your family along. When you rise up, you got to bring your family along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so- all right, guys, we're gonna move over to Time Capsule. We just like to recall where we were when we first watched this movie. And I just have to say, Merset it is, yeah. growing up, but especially in high school, like I became obsessed with movies. That's the reason I studied film. That's the reason I did theater my whole life. It was really like high school that I became just obsessed. I had always loved them, but I became obsessed with like knowing how to make them and yeah. all the intricate details behind them and everything. So I remember my New Year's resolution in 2009 was to write down every single movie trailer that came out that year. And I think by the end of the year, I'd written down 159 movie trailers, wow. and that's just from sitting on my couch watching TV every single day. That's literally, yeah, that's literally it. All this to say is, I felt like I really revered the word of Roger Ebert at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, so much so that he's also another person that I have a tattoo of. So, oh I my have a gosh, tattoo. I know I have a tattoo of the very last sentence of the last review that Roger Ebert ever wrote before he passed mm-hmm. away. And it says, I'll see you at the movies. That's my homage to my love of cinema. But he, Roger Ebert, loved this film. He added it to, like, Mm -hmm. movies you must watch before you die. He gave it, like, two enthusiastic thumbs up, which is very hard. Like, he's a harsh critic, right? Yeah. It was no easy feat to woo him, and he loved this movie. And so I I remember watching in high school because of that. Because I was like, I abide by everything that Roger Ebert says, so I'm going to watch this movie. And of course, it was amazing. And I still love it to this day.
1: When I think of Roger Ebert, I think of high school too. I always had to read his reviews in like English classes when we were mm-hmm. talking about like how to review things when we we're talking about that type of writing. So I always think of him and like my high school years whenever I think of him. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Ah. Most of my tattoos are movies. I'm in this
0: rom-com yeah. phase right now where a lot of my tattoos are rom-com themed. So uh, mm-hmm. the next one I'm getting is the iconic image of Judd Nelson at the end of Breakfast Club with his fist in the air. Yeah. And I'm also Hell getting yeah. I House Moving Castle tattoo.
1: <laughs> oh. Where were you when you first watched this movie? The first time I watched this was in middle school, and I actually fell asleep during it. It took a couple more watch attempts for me to see it the whole way through in one sitting. I'm such like a 16 Candles girl that I don't think I was ready for this like very real life pace of this movie. <laughs> Where I was like, where's the hijinks? Where is it? Like, that's what middle school me wanted. I wanted, like, the silliness of 16 Candles. So I just, really? I wasn't prepared for it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I would ask you who you had a crush on that year, but both of us didn't exist at the time.
1: No. But
0: I always say, I always say this in every episode. If I were alive in the 80s, Andrew McCarthy, that's it. That's it. That's it. No one else would have absolutely had the biggest poster of Andrew McCarthy and Roblo too. But, like, primarily Andrew McCarthy on my wall because his hair was
1: It's so shocking to me because he is not on my list at all, Andrew McCoy. Really? No. And like Pretty (laughs) of Pink, to me, it's like a deterrent because of him. Like he is not it for me. <laughs> really? I
0: think he's so sweet and like so debonair. Is that an adjective? <laughs> I love him in Pretty and Peak. He does this little like side smile and then he does like he does this thing where he makes his eyes really big. I can go on about Andrew garthy Let me stop. This is yeah. about this is about Lloyd. <laughs> he would have been my crush that
1: week. Speaking of crushes, anytime I think of this movie, I also think of Penn Badgley in easy A, because he plays Woodchuck Todd and he recreates the boombox moment with speakers at the end of the movie. So I always go down like a Penn Badgley crush (laughs) spiral after this because I'm like, wow, I miss him. Like, I miss him being like a heartthrob and not like a scary murderer on you. (laughs) Have I ever told you about the time I talked to Penn? Everyone I know knows Penn. (laughs) I know so many people that are just like, my good old pal pen and i'm like what bring me along
0: i think it's because he's so nonchalant about everything he's not like a celebrity that's like don't look at me i can't be seen public." like i was at this restaurant in mid-city and he just parked on the street and was like unloading boxes and he was like really struggling so i walked outside to see if he needed help he was like "Ah, i think i got it thanks though he was really he was just wearing a hat like no mask this was during the pandemic no mask nothing totally so normal just a regular guy oh my
1: god yeah I know a guy who met him at some weird conference and I don't even know what what he was doing there and he just started talking to him and they became friends and then later somebody else was like do you even know who that was and he was like no who was it and were like it was Ben yeah. Patchley and he was like oh and then we're friends we text all the time
0: yeah oh my gosh that's so funny yeah <laughs> All right, guys, this time for the Rob Cup Hall of Fame. But of course, Mercedes, as always, unfortunately, as much as it hurts me, we do have to roast this movie. And I'm curious, what is what is one of your roasts?
1: Be sensitive. I think the biggest <laughs> roast is Diane has no friends. Like that is the number one red flag for me. Like, that's crazy.
0: Mm -hmm. I hear you.
1: I will also say one of my biggest
0: roasts with this movie is just Diane's relationship with her dad in general. Mm -hmm. It is incredibly unhealthy, especially for a teenage girl. This scene always makes me uncomfortable. She felt so comfortable telling her dad that she had sex with Lloyd. And I'm just like, at that age, it's okay to keep some things private from your parents. It is okay to have secrets. Secrets are totally healthy, especially if they're not hurting anyone. I also yeah. just really don't like her dad. To me, he's the type of parent that create narcissists. And the reason I say this is because I used to watch a lot of interviews by Dr. Armani, uh, who's a psychologist who studies narcissistic personality disorder, and just like narcissists in general. And she said that there are four different types of narcissists, but covert narcissists, one of, like one of the types, they're created by parents who make grand displays of all of their children's accomplishments. I think it is very healthy to be a proud parent of your kid and be like, I'm proud of you, put their picture up on the fridge and stuff, But like what Diane's dad did was really unhealthy when he was like, tell me you are more special than any other student on both continents. Like that kind of making a grand display of your accomplishments and piping her up like that after she won her fellowship. That's not good. That's not something you should do. When you receive that much praise as a child, when you grow up, you believe the world owes you the same level of praise. If they don't, everyone else is an idiot for not seeing your greatness and that right there is one of the biggest traits of a covert narcissist
1: i don't like yeah Yeah, i mean i think i have incredibly supportive parents but they're also like two of my biggest critics too like they will like call me out when they're like "Mm, i don't think so and like there's no level of that with him as a father like he doesn't have any type of reality set in when it comes to (laughs) diane yeah
0: yeah she could do anything it's it's Terrible. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Well, my next roast is that Lloyd is kind of a manic pixie dream boy. Don't even say it, Mercedes. Don't even say it. <laughs> well, I mean, other than just being like a house husband, <laughs> which basically he is, <laughs> he start. We start this movie thinking that he's our protagonist, when actually he's just our love interest. He's a great mm-hmm. one at that. I will give you that. Mm-hmm. And we learn so much about Diane's background. Well, Lloyd's everyday life is still kind of a mystery by the end. And we know the facts, but we don't really know him. And Mm -hmm. he's really only there to support her as she navigates through her own life and learns more about herself and life in general because he centers his life around loving her. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, he just functions only as her supporter. It's interesting, though, because the movie that coined the creation of Manic Pixie Dream Girl, and if you all don't know the phrase or, like, the archetype, please Google it, because mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting. It's been around for a while now. But oh, wow. the movie <laughs> that they used as the example is Elizabeth Town, which was also written and directed by Crow. So I just think that <laughs> it's so interesting that, that his first movie is kind of like a gender flop of that.
0: Yeah, and it's so funny, too, because I also think that movies like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or Garden State, like they also feature Meg, like yeah. Peeps and Girls, and those movies came out before Elizabethtown,
1: I think. So there are like early 2000s.
0: Yeah, there are multiple yeah. examples of, of the movie, but that's funny that this is, like, the male version of that. Something I think is really funny about rom-coms in general, not specific to this one, but, like, everyone in rom-coms knows where each other lives, but no one ever actually gives out their address. Never. <laughs> it's so funny, because Lloyd is, like, for their first date, she doesn't even know him, and he's like, I'll pick you up, like, I'll pick you up at eight, and then he's just there. He just pops <laughs> up, and it's like, Lloyd, I-, I love you, but how do you know where she lives? What is Literally,
1: that? And I'm like, do you have a school directory that you're looking at? Like, where did you get this information? And then also, like, you know in movies that always drives me nuts when they're like, I'll meet you at the coffee shop. And I'm like, which one? Where? Which, one? <laughs>
0: <laughs> which coffee shop? We live in Seattle. <laughs> Seattle is just coffee shops. <laughs> exactly. I'm like,
1: please tell me where we're going. Exactly. Another roast I have is that the guidance counselor is at the party... And I know it's a graduation party, but this is just full of teenagers and completely inappropriate. She needs to leave.
0: (laughs) That was really (laughs) random. I've never seen a teacher at a party before, but. I
1: know. I'm like, go home. (laughs)
0: What are you doing? I feel like, okay. this is a very personal roast for me. But Diane calling Lloyd basic when she's like, "I've never gotten out with someone as basic." Yeah. Lloyd is my top five favorite rom com characters, and he is anything but basic. I will. He's talk- not basic if- at all. He's not basic at all. I will talk extensively about why in a little bit. The last thing too is, we have to acknowledge that Diane's dad has a complete god complex. I just keep using the word unhealthy because that's all that pops up when I when I talk about him. Like he yeah. tried to justify dealing from old people by saying he made their lives better. In his world, he believes he is God and he has control over people's well-being and happiness. And people like that should not be working in environments like that with old people. That's
1: no, never be in a caretaking environment ever. Yeah, because exactly. they don't know how to truly care.
0: Exactly, because they don't. They literally just think this is my world.
1: What's your, your favorite, favorite, favorite quote, though, Mercedes? My favorite quote is. Give me a pen. <laughs> in my arm. she gave me. A- Heartbreaking, heartbreaking, heartbreaking,
0: and because he's standing in the rain, what he's saying, <laughs> and it just had a, a lonely payphone, and yeah, just the the rain adds all of it.
1: <laughs> John Cusack loves the rain because in High Fidelity, he's all sad in the rain too. He loves yeah. it.
0: Is it that, or he's always doing films in the Pacific Northwest where it's just really
1: rainy? <laughs> you know, that could be it. <laughs> this <does>
0: state leaves <laughs> in Seattle. Okay, I love get in a good mood.
1: How hard is it just to decide to be in a good mood and then be in a good mood?
0: I just, I completely agree with that. I had a really hard time with that this weekend because I was not in the best mood and I should have been. I had a friend visiting in town. I just felt like because I was in a great mood, kind of like spoiled it. Yeah. I need to just start deciding to be in a good mood and then be in a good mood.
1: It's easier said than done though. You know, in those moments where like anxiety just takes over your brain and you're just mm-hmm. like, let me just listen to all this negative self-talk in my head <laughs> and just dwell on that.
0: It's hard yes. sometimes. Yeah. 100%.
1: Mercedes, okay, if this
0: movie popped up on your Tinder feed, are you swiping left or are you swiping right? I'm swiping right because
1: Lloyd Dobler is such a great guy. He's non-threatening and kind-hearted, and he's never fearful of vulnerability, which I really appreciate. His friends are women, and they love him, but they aren't in love with him. And that's so refreshing to see, especially in this 80s movie, that most 80s teen movies have, like, such stereotypes. And that's another thing I love about this. I think this movie shows a lot of respect toward teens that a lot of 80s movies didn't because there's no caricatures of teenager here, you know? They all have different layers, different sides to them. This is another movie that made a really strong impact on pop culture, too. So can you even think of, like, how many times you've seen the boombox scene recreated? There's so many. So So that's, like, a major part of why I'm swiping right. Prevalence in pop culture, but I do wish these two had a little more chemistry, and I wish we got to know Lloyd more, and I wish we saw more of their time together, like, falling in love, because I love that. But yeah, I mean swipe right was the montage not enough for you the montage is not enough i was like the montage should be the movie i don't care about your dad's iras sorry
0: (laughs) you are right oh my gosh i think you already know i am super swiping yes i've never super swiped before in an episode i am super swiping on this movie oh my god (laughs) i'm super swiping on lloyd this is one of my favorite movies. Like I said, I look at Lloyd on my arm every single day and just fall a little bit more in love with him every single time. Yeah, there you go. We're we're doing the blue superstar. <laughs> so. All right, guys. We like to do morning couples therapy, where we just give advice for the characters in the movie on how they can improve their relationship. And I just I have a lot of thoughts, but you, but you go first. First, That's okay. <laughs>
1: okay, Diane needs friends. She's in desperate need of yeah. friends. If your dad mm-hmm. is your best and only friend, then something is seriously wrong. You really need to reevaluate life. And this whole movie, Diane is bouncing back between her father and Lloyd, and they both center her world in a way that just isn't healthy. She's Mm -hmm. driven, but she's also emotionally relying on these two men way too much. I would love to see her gain more independence. And Lloyd, I think he just needs some type of passion in life that's not just Diane. No one's life should center around anyone else completely. There's just a theme of codependency in this movie that's almost raised a little bit in some ways and I think that's these characters biggest hurdle in their relationship
0: I hear you I agree that Diane needs friends and that Lloyd needs a plan I feel like his go with the flow attitude is fine for now that he's young but when they grow up and they have to pay bills and buy a house and support children he's going to need to do a deep dive into what it is that he actually wants to do and not who Mm -hmm. his parents want him to be or society wants him to be I know he doesn't want to buy sell or process anything but I'm curious Other than kickboxing, what were acceptable jobs in the late 80s, right? Like this movie was current at the time and yeah. people were, you know, creating their nuclear families and, and doing all those things. And so he, he has to have some sort of plan. That's what I hope for Lloyd. But I know he'll yeah. figure it out. You know, like I have faith that he'll figure it out.
1: <laughs> what do you think about new love languages? Okay, I think Lloyd gives acts of service and words of affirmation and he needs quality time. And Dan needs acts of service and gives quality time, if that, because honestly, I don't think she gives anything. Like, I don't don't think think she she feels like
0: she needs to give anything. No, you're right. 100%. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, like, we don't really see any love language that she gives here because she's not giving a lot. Yeah, I would almost
0: say that she gives words of affirmation in her own way. Like, she thinks her honesty is how she shows that she loves him, even though it's pretty brutal most of the time. Like, her yeah. just kind of spouting whatever comes to mind, like, calling Lloyd basic or being like, we shouldn't be together or, like, I just things like that. I feel like she thinks that's how she can show that she loves him by being honest with someone, but... It's not in an endearing way that we're used to seeing in rom-coms. It's a form of a love language that's just eh,
1: out there.
0: Okay. I hesitate to ask you this question.
1: Okay. Do you think this couple lasted five years? No, I don't think so. They're so young and they have so much more to learn about themselves as individuals. At best, I think they could last exactly five years and nothing more. Like they might meet the mark, but not, not a bit more. Okay.
0: I actually want to say yes because... I do believe that Lloyd will do everything in his power to make it work. And I feel like he's so loyal and he loves Diane so much. The only problem is you're right. He would shape his whole life to fit hers instead of figuring himself out. Ultimately, that will be what ruins them. But I also think they're a lot older before figuring that out. I think they're like in their 40s before they they figure out like, hey. Whoa. Because I do think Diane will feel safe with him, right? She doesn't know how to not rely on someone. And so Lloyd is going to do everything in his power to make sure that she feels taken care of and comforted. And she needs that. And she loves him and she's going to justify that for the reason why she marries him. But I don't think it's going to last until, like, old age, unfortunately. But I do think it's going to at least last until, like, 40s.
1: Yeah, like middle age. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, middle age. That seems mm-hmm. right for that the time period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, All right, guys, we're going to move over to Heartthrob. Bruce says and I like to talk about who we would take home to meet our friends and family. I have a lot of thoughts, Mercedes. Kendra has a lot. Okay, without a doubt. No question in mind, Lloyd is the absolute heartthrob of this movie, and here are all the reasons why. He is someone that everyone likes, which is so attractive. It's so great when you can go up to someone and be like, hey, what do you think of this person? And literally everyone you ask that question to has something nice to say about them. I feel like that's just a testament of his character, that he has a really good character, and that's something you should look for in a partner. He is well-traveled. Like, he talked about spending a couple semesters abroad. He used to live in Germany and the UK, and he can give us tips. Lots of tips. (laughs) It's important for someone, at least for me anyways, it's important for someone to enjoy traveling because that's Mm -hmm. like my my side hobby. He's such a gentleman. Like the way that he kicks the glass out um, in front of Diane when they're walking, he holds doors. The way that he kept checking up on Diane during the party as well was just really sweet. Like he was giving her space, but also like, hey, I'm here if you get uncomfortable or you need anything. Like I'm right. I'm right there. (sighs) Biggest thing for me. I love that he listens. He listens to her and is curious about her. And it's just such a major red flag when a guy does not ask you questions about yourself. I knew that going into my last relationship, but I made all these excuses and justified it. But it's actually the worst thing when you feel like someone doesn't care to know you. I love that Lloyd makes eye contact when he asks her questions. He asks her a lot of questions. He's curious about her. He wants to know what he thinks. And he's so honest and doesn't BS for anyone. He is 100% completely himself, including to Diane's father, who he's supposed to be impressing, but mm. he doesn't. He went the route that worked best for him and what works best for him is the truth. Like he cannot be anyone but himself. And that's really refreshing.
1: And I also love that
0: he's open to change during his whole conversation with Diane about old people and she calls him ages. She's like, that's ageism. But like, he really thanks her for showing him a different way of thinking. And I feel like he is open to changing his mindset, which is so important and necessary in growth. He is true to his word. When Lloyd says he's going to call, he calls. When he plans a date, he follows through. When he says he's going to do something, he does it. Be a man of your word. (laughs) He's incredibly patient too. I would really love to learn how to drive stick, but I don't know anyone who has the patience to teach me that. Teaching someone anything requires a lot of patience. And that just is something that Lloyd embodies that I really admire. And again, like, so sweet that he wrote a letter to her after they slept together for the first time. Mm-hmm. He's like, all the love in my heart. I just, I felt like that extra step to make sure that she felt special just sets Lloyd apart from every other guy. But also, he's very forgiving too. That's something I struggle with, you know, forgiving Diane for breaking up with him. But also, I think too, the scene where he goes and sees Diane's dad in prison. And he's trying really hard to, like, encourage him and make sure that he, like, knows, you know, there is a version of a letter that exists where she says X, Y, and Z to just, you know, show that there can be forgiveness there. That was really important. And he's just such a great source of comfort. Like, going with Diane to the UK and holding her and being like, when you, when you see the dig, that's what you know. Like, it's safe. It's okay. <laughs> and all of that to say is I literally pray for my future husband every night. And I really pray that God sends me a man like Lloyd Dobler someday.
1: This is Kendra's love letter to Lloyd. It was so detailed. And I could really tell just knowing you, just how he ticks off all your boxes of like what you want. And that's just so sweet to see. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) He really does. Yeah. (laughs) Who is your heartthrob? Uh, Mine is also Lloyd. He's obviously the best character here. He's kind and he's caring And I really appreciate the fact that he has so many platonic relationships with women that are really healthy. To me, that's a major green flag when you have these awesome friendships with women and you're a guy. And he also has a bond with his sister. And I don't know. I think that's really important. What do you think about the fact that
0: there's a part in the movie where he's like, I need guy friends. Maybe I should go hang out. At like the a.m. p.m. or something on a Friday night or whatever. Yeah. What do you think about guys who don't have any guy friends? Because, right, we talk about how it's a problem when women don't have any female friends. What do you think yeah. about when a guy doesn't have any guy friends?
1: I think it depends because I think guy friends just kind of work in different ways, too. Like, I don't think they're sitting around like talking about their emotional well-being often you know i think like Mm -hmm. most of them like they're friends because they go like play basketball together on the weekends or like like they like watching the same sports or something it's just like a different type of bond i think my whole thing is like you need to have good friendships like that's my major thing with any person out there like i think it's a red flag when you don't have any good friendships or that all your friendships are like really new too i'm like you haven't had any friendships that have been like years long like that's really interesting mm-hmm. to me that is very interesting yeah i hear you we will revisit
0: <laughs> <laughs> can probably revisit this discussion in a future episode but not right now guys we're gonna move over to marry smooge goes we like to say who we're gonna marry who we're gonna smooge and who we're gonna go we have lloyd jim and joe who, if you remember, it's who Corey was obsessed with and wrote 65 songs about.
1: Yeah. <laughs> who are
0: you marrying? Who are you smooching? Who are you ghosting?
1: I would marry Lloyd, I'd smooch Joe, and I'd ghost Jim.
0: I 100% agree. I mean, of course I marry Lloyd. Like, every single Yeah. Whole- guy that I'm going to meet moving forward. I'm going to hold up a paper and be like, do you have the characteristics of a Lloyd Doppler?
1: Have you (laughs) ever met a man named Lloyd? Yes, actually. I grew up one of my
0: sister's best friends growing up. His name was Lloyd. His name was Lloyd Nelson. So yes, I remember uh, he was at my house all the time. Uh, he was not very nice to me. Have you ever met someone named
1: Lloyd? No, but I just think if I met someone who was who had the same name, which I mean Lloyd isn't a very common name now, I don't think. So if I met somebody with a name from like a movie leading man that I loved, I'd been like, Hello? Yes. <laughs> like, are you <laughs> do you have any similarities at all? I'd project no, right? that I think. <laughs> have I told you for I'm actually going to
0: Ireland in September to go to a famous matchmaking festival. That's oh my gosh. For, yeah, it's for singles from all over the world to go and meet their their one true love. And it's the entire month of September, and I'm going to be there for about two and a half weeks.
1: <gasps> and I will let you know if I meet a Lloyd. We need a live play-by-play. I am so excited for this.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a whole other episode we have to do, like Kendra's Adventures at a Batchmaking Festival. Yeah. <laughs> In island.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, I love it. Yes. So.
0: But before we wrap it up, guys, we always love to bring in a pop culture moment. So John yeah. Cusack isn't married. He doesn't have kids. And he claims it's because, uh, quote unquote, society doesn't tell him what to do. And I'm just really hoping that this is a George Clooney moment. Did you ever hear about that bet that George Clooney made with, I think it was Julie Roberts and Nicole Kidman. But he basically bet them, like, I think it was $20,000, that he would never get married. He would never have kids, anything. And
1: now look at look him now. You know, Look at him now, dad of two, married. And George and Amal are, like, probably one of my favorite celebrity couples ever. Oh, yeah. I love them.
0: I I do, too. So I'm really hoping it's one of those ones because if he's anything like his character, if John Cusack is anything like Lloyd, I'm already in love.
1: (laughs) He has said that Lloyd is probably, like, the most accurate to him and, like, that age of his life in any character that he's played. I saw an interview where he said that. Very sweet.
0: That's very sweet. That is oh my, uh, my heart.
1: I have a couple questions for you. Yes. So we know that the boombox scene has been parodied a lot. So do you have a favorite TV show or movie that's recreated it? Oh gosh. I I don't think
0: I do. And if okay, one of the movies I've seen more than any other movie ever to exist is not another teen movie where they parody. Oh, my God. Pretty much yes. a teen movie. I don't think that scene is in there. but I don't think so. If it was, that would be my favorite because that movie is so funny. I still find it very funny. But no, I don't think
1: I do. Do you have one? Okay, so I love the Easy A one with Pen Badgley, like I said, but I also love this one that's in That's a Raven, where <laughs> Raven's boyfriend comes because she can't go to the concert, so he goes outside and, like, plays the songs from the that would have been played at the concert from, like, the band they're going to go see, and their yeah. faces are painted blue because that's, like, what the band does, and she's just <laughs> looking out the window in her cool, like, attic bedroom, and I always think of it.
0: I don't remember that at all. <laughs> wait, not wait. Not. Oh, I watched and I rewatched that. So Raven over the pandemic. <laughs> I know. Well, I got Disney plus over the pandemic. So I was like, let me watch Kim Possible, even Stevens. That's what we're like, about. I watched all of my childhood. So good. <laughs> so, like, I don't remember that. I will think on it. And I will come back and
1: then let you know. <laughs> my second question is also about the boombox scene. And since it almost featured a different song, I want to know what song you'd want featured if you were Diane and Lloyd was holding the boombox for you. I've been waiting for someone to ask me this question because Yay! I have
0: a perfect response. This is kind of an obscure song, but it's called Guardian Angel by the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. And it is like, it is such a beautiful song. I cry every time I listen to it. Okay, let me just try to recite some of it. So he talks about, like, when I see your smile, tears fall down my face. He's like, use me as you will, pull my strings just for a thrill. And I know I'll be okay. I no, I'll be okay. It, it, though my skies are turning gray. And he's like, I will never let you fall. I'll be there for you forever. Like, it's just, uh, it's so beautiful. I love that song. I think I want that to be the first dance song at my wedding. He just talks about unconditional loving someone. And I just don't feel like we have that anymore, Mercedes. We don't have that no matter what. I will love you. I will be there for you. And I need that's the type of love language that I need. I need that Mm -hmm. kind of commitment because I think a big part of my insecurity about my lack of experiences in relationship has a lot to do with the fact that I felt like I've never been given a chance. Like I've never been given a proper chance to show how much I can love you, how much I can be there for you and, and things like that. And so I just need that reciprocated because i know i can give it so
1: yeah um, <laughs> but what is your song that's like honestly i'm so happy that you asked me that because i've always wanted to say that. oh, oh my gosh <laughs> well first off i didn't even know red Drums, who apparatus had love ballads <laughs> like i need to go listen to it i think that's their yeah. only one i know they're okay if anyone knows
0: them, they're like a screamo band from like the early 2000s you used to, listen to them in high school all the time that's like the one song they're not like screaming how they normally do but it's a beautiful
1: They're in an amazing episode of MTV's The Hills. If you want to go watch that, yeah. Anyone else? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And he won't wear the jeans. That. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes and the editor in chief is like red jumpsuit apparatus she says it's so crazy that I'll never forget it I was like that's psychotic but yeah I think I think the song I would choose I'm going to go full circle back to the beginning of this episode you and I by One Direction like it is Aww. one of the love songs for me and like it's just full of emotion and I just like oh it would be good it would be so good in that boombox just like when it builds and then hearing Zayn's high note I would have been like hello <laughs> like, I would probably Ascended from my bed. (laughs) I don't think I've ever listened
0: to that song. So good. I'm gonna put it on after we're done. Oh my god.
1: (laughs) So good. It's for my favorite One Direction album, the third one. What Uh, is it called? The fourth one. It's uh, the third one is called Midnight Memories, but the fourth one is probably the most acclaimed, but the third one has my heart forever. But you and I, that's the song. I
0: didn't even know that they had four albums together.
1: They had five. They had five before they broke up, they had five albums. One every year, every November.
0: Wow. (laughs) Go One Direction. I don't even think the Jonas Brothers did that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: they were always working and always touring poor boy yes exactly that's (laughs) impressive All right, guys
0: we want to hear from you listeners what would be your boombox song if you had to choose one what do you think about the relationship between Roy and Diane even Diane and her father do you like the movie Say Anything is the boombox scene your favorite iconic scene in a rom-com let us know your thoughts you can slide into our DMs at meet cute again I'm Kendra you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at KentenHollywood
1: yes and I'm Mercedes. you can find me at Mercedes gb11 on twitter ig and tiktok and if you're looking for new rom-coms follow meet cute wherever you listen to podcasts and follow meet cute on socials everywhere bye everybody we'll see you next week